0: For the Love of Food is a culinary-focused conversation with local restauranteurs from Orange County, hosted by Chef Daniela Malfitano, and she is an integrative nutrition health coach, author of nine cookbooks, yikes, I'm hungry already, host of the Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Festival and creator of the new YouTube channel, My Choice Kitchen. With over 15 years experience in restaurants and culinary media, Chef Daniela is passionate about spreading joy by teaching kids and adults how to make healthy choices and delicious choices in the kitchen. Please welcome Daniela.
1: everyone. Good to see everyone. It's really great to be back. This is our final Heritage Roadshow event in Costa Mesa tonight, and I want to welcome everyone and welcome you guys all for the Love of Food live podcast. Uh, This is a live podcast conversation that's really focused on Orange County chefs, people that know this industry and have worked in this industry for many years making Orange County exactly what it is. Um, I'm going to talk to a really important chef today, um, someone that I have not actually had a chance to work with, but I am humbled by the work that he does, the way in which he um, really has honed his craft and has made uh, a name for himself here in Orange County. So I'm going to jump right into it. Today I'm having a conversation with the master of the wood fire, Chef Noah Von Blum. He's best known for ARC, an American roast house focused on presenting homemade foods using only locally sourced fresh ingredients and artisan crafted products that deliver original flavors into every dish and every single cocktail. After opening ARC, the restaurant was publicized as one of the most important restaurants to open in America this decade. And according to the national acknowledgement for well-known food journalists and lots of food critics, uh, they all have agreed. So without further ado, please help me welcome Chef Noah.
2: Hello.
1: How's it going, Chef?
2: It's amazing, thank you. Thank you you so
1: much for taking time out of the kitchen.
2: Yes, of course. And
1: your busy schedule. Always. And the wood fire lots of wood. (laughs) Um, I have done a lot of interviews with many chefs, and I've never read uh, quite a more interesting uh, (laughs) resume and sort of history. Um, And I think that you're not only really passionate about what you do, but you want people to sort of notice the food in a different way. Um, Can you speak to your inspiration?
2: Yeah, I think everyone... um starts with kind of a different idea why they start cooking and for me it was never because I wanted to be a chef or had some love of watching my mom cook in the kitchen or you know I grew up in Newport Beach and we ate out a lot and none of those meals were that great Um, but I always remember it was Christmas and my grandmother would make these giant cookie boxes Mm -hmm. and it would only be one cookie per person in the family so you get all these different flavors and kinds and every time we'd all be so amazed with how she made them and there'd be like 20 different types of cookies and you'd, you know, some of them were horrible. Some of them had raisins in them, which are just <laughs> disgusting in any kind of pastry. But all of that aside, the, the kind of the love and the idea and, and this nostalgia that went with it. And I think that's something that's carried with me forever is that the idea of nostalgia in cooking, something you can look back onto the past while still maintaining the future is mm-hmm. my favorite thing.
1: I love that. Did you always have a love and an appreciation for food uh, as a youngster that you noticed that maybe was maybe different than your friends or your family members and people your age?
2: I always wanted to try cooking. Uh And so early on, um, I remember I made some really horrible food items. Um, I made a tomato sauce where I thought if you poured all of the dried herbs into it, it would really just add that flavor. (laughs) And I remember watching a bunch of friends in high school eat it looking at me like, what, what, what are we doing here? Why, why'd you make me do this? But it wasn't so much that part about food that got me into it. I love pulling out those perfect moments in history where you look back at that great apple pie or, you know, that perfect bacon you had. But I think it's the work that I liked more. Yeah. It was finding my first job where I felt like an adult and I felt like it didn't matter what stage I was in, but it the work was what spoke to it. And I, I've always loved that part about kitchens is that the more you put in, the more you get out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when you were growing up, aside from your sweet grandmother who baked <laughs> delicious she cookies. She wasn't sweet at all. But <laughs> okay, I, fine. We'll <laughs> go with that. <laughs> it's fine. But leather.
2: She was like leather. Beautiful, but just hard as hell.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's great. That paints a new picture for me. I love it. Who else cooked for you regularly in the home when you did eat in the home, or what was that experience like for you um, when you weren't going out and just when you were really just together eating and and dining at at home?
2: Dining together, um, growing up in a modern family, meant we all met at the Atrium Court in Fashion Island and were given money and wandered off to our prospective areas and came back to eat together. And so I think. I grew up with a different idea of what a home-cooked meal Mm -hmm. was, and that's why I started cooking, was I wanted a home-cooked meal. I wanted something that we made at home. So I was the first person to ever start cooking in our house, and having everyone I remember, I would always, you know, turn the lights down, and these were the old days where they'd still let me buy food without money, and my mom would come back and pay at the grocery store later, and I'm pretty sure they sold me wine, even though they shouldn't (laughs) have. But either way, I think it was uh, that that more home-style experience where I became the first like cook of the house.
1: Mm -hmm. That's similar to my own story. I, uh, my mom really got stressed out cooking and no one in my family really liked it. And I was really like very curious about people on television, but out in the world that like loved it. You could tell that that was their passion. And so at a very young age, I just took it upon myself and started, you know, baking pies or, you know, putting together sandwiches, simple stuff, but yeah. I, I was the one to take it on. So we, we have that in common, <laughs> it's in our <laughs> hearts. it's in our blood. Wonderful. Um, let's move on to how you really then decided to, um, take your earliest food memories and the way in which you understood food into, um, the next part or the next chapter of your life. How did you decide that you finally wanted to pursue this career as a chef?
2: It was a chef. Um, I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do and like all teenagers, I was lost and i was uh, 14 and my father told me i had to go get a job and so i said no one will employ me i'm 14 and he laughed and said i know someone who will employ you and he took me to a restaurant um actually here in newport beach that used to be here called the ritz and i remember i went and it was early in the morning before school and i was given my first espresso and a cookie and i sat there and drank espresso on a white tablecloth and ate my cookie in the morning, and I thought, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm like, this is just what we're going to do, drink espresso and eat cookies. You could get used to that, I, for sure. I like espresso <laughs> and cookies to this day, a lot. I like cookies. and <laughs> And I thought it was so interesting, because the first time in my life I was taught, or I was, people treated me like I was different, like I was more mature than I was allowed to be in other instances. And... I think I really love that. I love, and everything I got to learn through those next few years with, it was a gentleman named Hans Prager, who taught me most of what I know in my life now about all things, food and life related. Um, but he made it hard, he made it crazy. And I think that challenge was like the first good coach of my life.
1: What yeah. position did you have at 14?
2: Um, I was a food runner, a dishwasher, and eventually a associate prep cook. Wow. It was, it was, back then, all I did for a SLCA Prep cooked was cut perfect mirepoix and hold wooden spoons as he tasted from them. Sal didn't like to wear a chef coat either. He would leave it open and had no hair on his body. It was an interesting time in my life. Um, <laughs> Lupe, who went on to become the executive <laughs> chef, was the dishwasher at the time that taught me how to wash dishes and you know, about everything being clean and organized. Probably the most organized man I've ever met, which made sense that he would become the the lead of that kitchen. And then I would run food, which is, I still hold that true to this day. Then I got pulled off the floor by Hans one time for saying no problem to a guest. And I never understood the meaning of it. And he angrily rip, pulled me into the back kitchen and said, how dare you say that on my floor? And I'm like, I was just trying to get him dressing. And it's, He goes, it's never a problem. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure and so it's funny i think that those moments have changed who i who i am and who i've been and who i want to become
1: yeah clearly i mean right you you remember this for your entire life that like one tweak can really um help you to to realize that the work that we do is is very very less about the food and more about the what we bring to it the energy in which we bring the experience to the guests or we help them guide them through the experience Mm -hmm. and it can be the smallest shift of saying you know it's 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 a pleasure instead of it's no problem and 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 what that can just do to the receiver of that message
2: absolutely i
1: love that that's beautiful it sounds like in the home, um, at, that, at that point of your, in your life, you know, you had a, everyone was kind of busy doing their own thing. And I imagine, did the kitchen give you some sort of s- centering balance, some family, um, community sense?
2: I always felt like the kitchen was like a complete sphere. You know, you start out in the mornings with a little bit of zen. You're doing your prep. You're working through what you have to get ready for for the day. By the time you're into it, you're into it and it only ramps up and gets crazier and crazier. And by the end, you're done, and it's done fast. And that's like a sense of relief, but you're not done, you have to clean, and so camaraderie comes on board. Everyone was just in it together, they're enjoying themselves. And I felt like those cycles in life, whether they're you know your job or your family life or your relationships, they help center you and feel good about each day. And sometimes it's more important about feeling better each day and trying to hit some lofty long term goal that is impossible to hit because you hit those little goals every day, you wind your way up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And after that experience, did you go on to just feel really inspired by different restaurants in Orange County or different chefs that you knew about that, that, you know, now, now that you were really on the map and you were sort of placed in this space? Um, what, what was it like for you after that experience?
2: After that experience, I wanted to leave Orange County more than anything possible with every part of my body. I wanted to be out of this horrible, horrible place at 16. I was like, how could I possibly live here? It's just, ugh, stifling. (laughs) And um, I left, and I left for about 15 years. I went to San Francisco, New York, Vermont, At 16? Well, I went to San Francisco first, went to the CCA for Culinary School up there. Um, left there, went to NYU, um, left, went to Danielle, stayed at Danielle for quite a while, went to Vermont um, because I wanted less city, something more peaceful, more zen. I opened a restaurant in Vermont, I closed that. People don't want tacos in Vermont, apparently. I don't understand. (laughs) It's weird. Southern California. I'm like, do you not know about tacos? Is this the thing? Has no one told you? Because they're delicious. Um, I did Europe. I went back to San Francisco. And all these times, I was looking for the best place to live. And by the time I hit San Francisco last time, I said, shit. It was totally Orange County, wasn't it? And so I made my way back. And I said, you know, there's so many things here. You know, you always make your way full circle. It was like my final cleanup. I started my prep here. I went out, I went through service. And by the time I came home, I realized where I wanted to be for the rest of my life. And I think all of the experiences, I was always in the business. Um, You know, all different levels, always moving my way up. Sometimes they were my own restaurant. Sometimes they were others. But, you know, it's one of the most magical places
1: ever. It really is. You, you probably don't feel that way, you know, if you've grown up here. But um, it is a beautiful, beautiful place to live, and sort of a very interesting place for a chef to land. Especially having gone through the experience that you did, and all the travel that you did, and the many kitchens and the many feels of the different kitchens, and what that experience is like for sure. people um, that either just work the line or, um, you know, work front of the house and, and are with with actual guests. And it sounds like you came back and you immediately opened ARC. Is that right?
2: Pretty close to. um, I came back and did San Francisco again, opened another restaurant up there. And by the time I came back home, um, my wife and I decided we would open another restaurant down here. So, you know, it's it's always a path. And you always, you never want to do it. They're horrible. They're horrible, horrible things. It's like, you know, birthing quintuplets. You're like, they just never stop. You are like, even when you think they stop, a water line breaks, or a hood goes down, or something fills with smoke, or you're like, ah, restaurants. Yes. But you also can't stop them. You're like, ah, but they're a thing. And they, like, start the day, and so many people are involved in them, and it becomes like a family, and, you know, it's like something... So this one was different, though. I think when we opened here, we wanted something more personal, and I had done... So many different types of restaurants. I'd done so much highfalutin fine dining, and I think when we decided to do Arc, we were sick of it. We were sick of the pretense that came with dining, and um, you know, all. I just wanted people to share again. I was sick of being forced into an a salad, an appetizer, an entree, and some dessert, maybe some sides as well. I'm like why do I feel forced every time I dine out? And so when we opened Ark, it was supposed to be something you like, kind of came home to, where you could get a beer and some meatballs, or you could buy a big steak and you know splurge, or you just never felt pressure. And so it became like wood made that work. You know, it became, we were able to do great steaks and old school things like ducks and, all my favorite foods and it still felt comfortable because yes. there were always fires burning.
1: Yeah, I loved reading about, about just sort of like how unique you wanted to make it and then you achieved it. And, and, then, and then it is a coming home for guests. It is a sitting down and having a different experience in the restaurant that nobody gets um, very often out of your space because your restaurant is something that's incredibly unique. Um, and so we have to talk about the fire. What is it about the fire that inspires you? Why did you want to bring this element? I mean, I know that there's probably a, um, s- some sort of, there was, no, there was no actual range in the space, so you had to, to manage, but explain that process.
2: Well, there's no gas lines at all. It's all wood-burning. So now it's bigger. That arc's expanded. It has two wood-burning ovens and three wood-burning grills and no gas lines, except for outside. To light lanterns and make it pretty.
1: And for for, <laughs> for all of us that are maybe not thinking about holistically what that means, every single piece of food that's prepared is coming off of being prepared on wood It's fire. a nightmare, actually. It's, an absolute,
2: <laughs> it's- absolute nightmare. So we, we do like, we do make french fries and things like that, but you know, you have a cauldron of oil over a live fire in which you have to start a fire with, and you're temping it out to try to figure out what temperature the oil, it's, it's crazy. But but it's fun and you have to make the fire every day and I think it changes the way people feel about what they do. Mm-hmm. And I think when you, when you force people to go back to how it starts, you know, instead of flicking a switch, you sit there and you like wrestle with wood that might be wet from the rains before, you're like trying to start it and you're like irritated. By the time it starts, you know, no one, everyone has a smile after they start a fire. I don't know what it is. You're like, ha mastered you. Achieve elements, right. I've got, you have nothing on me. And it starts the day, and you've, you've created something for your day. And I think for us, it was more about, Ryan told me not to talk about business, but it was both business because things can come out fast. Yeah. One person can work a big oven and throw in a bunch of cast irons and pull them out, and it tastes better. But they also fly out of the kitchen, and so one person can be more involved in every meal. It just... You can't order a bunch of individual things. Everyone has to share. Mm -hmm. And so it created a new concept because it created it. And the fire made it better. And sitting there every night, you'll go look at it, and the bar will be filled, and we seat our bar, because it's the best seat in the house. And people will sit there and just stare, and just look into the fire, and you're like, humanity still likes fire. It's just still neat and pretty and exciting to look at. It never gets old. It doesn't. It's magic.
1: So, Chef, what's the best thing, in your opinion, to cook on open fire?
2: Okay, Well, steak is the best thing to cook over open fire because it tastes the best, and it's the most forgiving to it. And you can literally almost light it on fire sometimes, and it's still good. Duck is my favorite thing to cook over open fire and bacon is the hardest thing to cook over open fire. Wow. Too much fat, just... <laughs> too
1: much flame. Too much Too fat. much fire. Yeah, yeah of course. So you,
2: and we do a lot of bacon. We do big, thick bacon. Um, duck is my favorite because the fat's forgiving, the meat stays tender, the stock reduces so well. We end up burying a bunch of ducks in coals overnight, every night and pulling them out and you have a perfect duck stock and perfect duck every single night just hmm. cooked by coals and wow. not doing anything so it's it's made me like a big fan of of all of that and i like duck a lot
1: I is like duck is there a favorite menu item like the thing that everyone's coming in for or that most people order
2: Yeah, there's favorite menu items for me, and then there's what everyone comes in for. Yeah,
1: that's true. It's
0: different. Uh Yeah, it's never
2: even close to the same. I I joke that if I was to open my own restaurant, well, I have my own restaurant, but if I was to open a restaurant just for me, it would just be like little pates and rillettes that I would sit and drink with rosé, and no one would ever show up, but um, our bacon is the probably our most formidable item. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's like, you know, three quarters inch thick on skillets. That's more like a steak. Um, the wedge salad, which is just mm. a pretend salad with that bacon. <laughs> and then the burger, which is, is too large to eat.
1: Yum. You guys hungry yet? <laughs> All right, so aside from ARC, um, you guys have to check it out, by the way. You and your beautiful wife also um, are business partners, and you own and operate ARC Butcher and Bakery in Newport Beach, um, where you serve up more of a casual concept. How did you two decide that it was time to open up this second concept?
2: I had a prepared answer for this, but the truth is, is that our... We became super good friends with our landlord. He bought a building, told us he wanted a bakery in it. We told him that was insane and stupid. We're not going to do that. And we opened one. So (laughs) um, it's a butchery and a bakery, but it's like a little casual version of Ark up there. It's like my favorite restaurant ever because I feel like where it is on the peninsula in Lido is just... It's such a nice vibe, and, yeah. like, the people are cool, and it, it's certainly not what Arc and Costa Mesa is, which is, like, lively and crazy and a bar and fun and all these things. It's, like, relaxed and board shorts, and I get to make what I want, and the menus are similar but different. I get to do all the butchery and slow it down, and, you know, it's like an ego project, I guess, but it's really awesome. The food's, the food's pretty good there, too. Can you we, rest- oh, we, eat there, we eat there a lot. Do you? It's, yeah, it's a problem. We're going to go back tonight, probably.
1: <laughs> um, I'm, I'm curious how you guys split your time between the two. Is, is, are you usually at ARC uh, or are you going back and forth throughout the week?
2: Um, we go back nonstop. We always start at Butcher and Baker in the morning because okay. they have an espresso machine down there. <laughs> of course. So I can make myself a coffee. Um, and it's just, it, it fits. It's always like a cloudy morning on the peninsula, so you start down there. I do all the butchery for Costa Mesa down there. Mm. So we have a big dry-aging facility, so I'll get to break through the steaks, see what we sold from the night before. We make the cakes down there, so I take them up to the other restaurant. Then you check in on the other restaurant, you hang out there for a while, see it through, chat with people, make some food, you know.
1: You guys also offer boat baskets, which I loved reading about, and catering and um, Thanksgiving to-go meal options. Um, how did you How did you decide to, to include those elements? That's very different than Arc. So
2: we'll, well, we always wanted to do other stuff in Costa Mesa, but it's impossible with the ovens. Um, yeah. it's just it's such a machine that you can't do anything more than that. It literally just has to throw food out nonstop, especially with how busy we are there. So. Newport was the ability to do more. Mm -hmm. And I think growing up here, part of what I loved was, you know, weekends on the bay, tooling around in a Duffy, stopping at different restaurants, grabbing some wine. And we wanted to be a part of that. I think more than anything, after coming full circle from here and back to here, we just wanted to rebuild the community that we wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, (laughs) what did she say to me last night? Are these just passion projects? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, they're profitable passion projects, but that's yet to be seen. But whatever, the whole point is that you know you build community with the idea of what it is you want your community to be, and I think that that's what all the restaurants come down to. They're what we want our community to be. They're like that little market we want to tell friends about, or stop in at, or there's stuff you you know. And we got to get a golf cart to deliver the boat baskets, which right. was like really exciting for me because totally. driving golf carts to docks to deliver food, you're like, this is the best part of my day right here.
1: Did you always have the boat baskets from the beginning of? At
2: Butcher and Baker okay. we did, but Butcher and Baker's new, about nine months. Okay, great. So that one just opened.
1: And how did the Thanksgiving meal go this year? It was year? good. Yeah yeah the menu looked screaming it was that- horrible
2: um <laughs> that we were so nervous we did the turkeys we have a giant rotisserie it's huge and we could do uh, about 18 turkeys at a time wow. on it. they were 20 pound birds three per spit and it took us a while the first ones that came in people are like hey, your turkey looks a little loose on that rotisserie slapping things and looked like it was gonna fly away by the time we got it dialed in it was pretty good um so the turkeys and the pies were perfect. We, we got those off without a hitch. People really like mashed potatoes and stuffing though, and they come in and they want a couple extra orders, which then means, oh my gosh, by about halfway through, you're running out of everything. It was awesome. It was horrible and awesome all in the same breath. It's like the restaurant business. You think you'll do it again next yeah. year? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we have a, we're Glenn's for punishment.
1: I know, where I'm coming for my rotisserie turkey it's next so year. Good.
2: It was really good turkey.
1: How do you and Marin, your wife and business partner, really balance not just the day-to-day of the restaurants, both of them, and the different concepts, but uh, the life in, in, together as a business partners and then, and then at, in the home, um, just as partners?
2: Well, Marin and I are best friends, and so it really helps out that you work together because I think the hardest thing is being in the restaurant business, you don't get to see the other person. Um, and so I think we both like, well, I always say she's a hummingbird. She'll never stop moving ever. Sometimes she'll like, just please stop moving. I want to go to bed. Mm-hmm. She just keeps going. Um, and it, it, it helps push me then and want me to do more things. But also if we weren't in the business together, we wouldn't ever get to see each other. Yeah. Cause they are so full time. You know, I think, I don't remember what was happening. Couple, I don't know, what was it was a week ago, a couple of days ago, water heaters blew out at the restaurant. We were on our way somewhere. And I'm like, so I'm going to the restaurant right now. She's like, you have to go to the restaurant right now. And so I think you have to have that understanding if it's going to work out because otherwise you'd hate each other. And we don't, we really like each other. So it works tell. out well.
1: I can tell. That's She's... really cool. I love it. I love uh, you know when, when husband and wife's teams work together and they, they're creative and they're, they're, you know, really passionate about something that's shared, it can change. I don't know about if I, my husband and I work together and I don't know about you, but it, it definitely helps to fuel the relationship, right? It makes things to feel just stickier, more connected.
2: Yeah. They, you know, we often say we opened the restaurant first before we got married. Yeah. So we were screwed long before that there was, <laughs> no. <laughs> there was nothing legal that was going to make it easier for us. we we're, we're, we're deep, we're deep in. Yeah. That's She's
1: wonderful. Uh, We're going to wrap up with one final question. With every dish that you make, uh, what is it that you're hoping to communicate to your guests through the feeling and the flavors of your food?
2: So one of my favorite lines in cooking is, nostalgia tastes better. And I often think it's not always about how it tasted then, that we remember the apple pie someone used to make or that dish from that restaurant we went to with our parents or whatever it was for us but it's the memory that made it taste better Mm. and oftentimes even if you go back to that same place and try it again oh something changed or it's different you know I don't think it is and so with every dish I want people to remember what food used to taste like and I think that's like my favorite thing with the restaurants is that we try not to mess around with stuff it's just they're just simple Mm. they're the way it's supposed to be Try not to add too much, make it too fancy. No microgreens in my restaurants. Um, you know, keeping life the way, the way I remember it. Nostalgia just tastes better.
1: I love it. Thank you so much. Please join me in giving a big thanks to Chef Noah Von oh, Thank
2: you very much.
1: And I want to thank your wife as well, Marin. Thank you so thank you. much for coming.
0: Thank you to all of our guests and performers. Thank you to our partners, supporters, and especially to OC Fair and Event Center and Centennial Farm. This tour has visited Museo Museum and Cultural Center in Anaheim, Muckenthaler Cultural Center in Fullerton, the Frida Cinema in Santa Ana, Muska Center for the Arts at Chapman University in Orange, and Centennial Farm at the OC Fair and Event Center in Costa Mesa. Thank you for joining us and supporting creative and cultural events in your community.